This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. This is going to be a good episode. First of all, we're going to talk about a guy that's actually just afraid to trade. He's starting off. He has a small account, and he's just a little bit nervous and tentative about getting his feet wet. And then I'm going to segue into uh, why you shouldn't trade like a serial killer, which is the title of this podcast. So might sound a little bit weird as I'm trying to explain it right now, but as we get further along into this podcast today, it'll make a little bit more sense. So today's email comes from Beginning Trader. I'm going to call him Bobby Ray. He's from the Deep South. He's in Mississippi, and he actually likes his redneck names. He also likes Maker's Mark for his bourbon. But for me, today, picked up this new bourbon that I've been seeing on some other message boards out there. He picked it up at a local restaurant, and it's called Redwood Empire Pipe Dream Bourbon Whiskey. I guess Pipe Dream is a tree out there in California. It's like the 14th tallest tree in the world, and so that's what they named it after, after the Pipe Dream. But It's 45% alcohol, 90 proof, made up in Northern California. Some of you listeners are from up there, so maybe you've been to the distillery. That'd be pretty cool. And when I I drink it, it's got this like nice, smooth vanilla flavor at first, right? And then it kind of transitions into a little bit more spice, a little bit more hotness. I can taste like the oak flavor in it, and it has like this mint-like finish. I don't know. I can't get anybody else to say that they can taste that same mint flavor, but it seems very prominent to me, and I don't know why it is that I taste it, but it's it's a really good flavor. I think I got this for like $36, $37, this bourbon. And it's an amazing bourbon for the price. Scale of 0 to 10, I give it a 7.7. Just a really solid, solid bourbon. Very distinct flavors. You can smell the honey when, when you put it up to your nose. Just really good. Now, Bobby Ray here. He emails me. says, Ryan, I joined SharePointer two weeks ago and really enjoyed watching you guys trade. I have studied for some time now and maybe a year or two in total. I have not been able to pull the trigger on a trade yet for a couple reasons. First, I have a small account, $2,500, and I don't want to get in on a trade that makes that even seem smaller. When I see a setup, I just can't help but think I'm not ready for this. Or is that just FOMO? Second, I'm wondering if I should wait on the market to become more opportune for this bubble to pop. Any advice would be appreciated. Sincerely, Bobby Ray. Now, Trading with a small account, yes, I get that if you're profitable on a trade, you're not going to be making a ton of money. And if you're trading a small account, there's a tendency to let some of your losses be a little bit bigger than what you should probably let it be because you're thinking to yourself, okay, I lost a hundred bucks. I'll be able to recover. I'll live, right? But you shouldn't view it that way. In fact, you really, in my opinion, as a trader, and this is how I approach it, and that's what I really try to do with this podcast, give you real life examples of a trader who's had to make it himself in this world and and taught himself how to trade, never had like a mentor or anything else really. And I've had to learn these examples for myself. And I, I started off with a very small account too. But in today's day and age, you're not 
being riddled with commission costs that are 5 and $10 a pop and you get totally destroyed with just commission costs alone on your trading. I mean, I actually had to deal with commission costs that were like $19.99 when I was starting out. And I was trading a small account, and I'll get to that in a second too. But today you have free commissions. So whether you're trading a million dollars or you're trading $2,500, your approach to trading should really be the same. And even better is that there's fractional shares. I tell you guys all the time, don't, don't get caught up in how many shares you can buy of a stock. Just don't. And you can buy fractional shares of Amazon now, which is really cool. So you can really be unbiased towards whether it's a $3,000 stock or whether it's a $10 stock. And you can just say, hey, is this thing setting up pretty good? And if so, if it's an Amazon stock and I want, and I have $2,500 in my account and I'm going to put 10% on each trade, maybe it's $250 and it's a very small fraction of Amazon, but it's nonetheless, you're, you're putting $250 to work just like if you were buying 25 shares of a $10 stock for a total of $250. Whether, whether that $10 stock goes up 10% or whether Amazon as a fractional share goes up 10%, you're still making the same amount. And every one of my positions in my portfolio right now, I can't tell you how many shares of any of my stocks that I own. I just don't know. I don't pay attention to it. I also don't care how much money I am up or down on a trade because all I'm trying to do is manage the risk from a percentage standpoint and from using technical analysis. The dollar amount is irrelevant to me. And so really, if you're trying to get good at trading, you got to get past the whole dollar amount thing. If you're good at trading or you become good at trading, the dollars will follow, but you don't have to pay attention to that. You really need to be focused on making good quality setups. And so Bobby Ray here, instead of worrying about, you know, the $2,500 going down or going up. And it's good to have a sense of concern about losing the money. It, it is, but you can do paper trading and you have a lot of people who are successful paper traders, but then when they start putting their money to work in real time, they suck. And why is that? Is because the emotions aren't involved in paper trading. There's no emotions in paper trading. It's easy. If you're wrong, who cares? You just add a few more zeros to your account if you're wrong. Look, if I was learning how to trade on paper trade, I'd probably just have fun with it and, and trade GameStop and AMC the whole time. Yes, there's there's things that you can learn just from like a mechanical standpoint of how trading works and everything through paper trading. But the emotions is a whole other game once you start trading with your own money. So if you're a successful paper trader, I would not bank on yourself being a successful trader in real life because once you start putting your money to work, it's a totally different game. And I don't want to discourage you. Everybody's got to start somewhere, but you got to get your feet wet at some point. And maybe it's not the right time for Bobby Ray. I don't know. But I can tell you, it's not FOMO because if it was FOMO, the fear of missing out, you'd be jumping in and you'd be losing a lot of money because you don't know where, when to stop trading, not when to start trading. But you can get these fractional shares. I think Schwab, Charles Schwab has them. Interactive Brokers has them and Robinhood, even though I don't like Robinhood at all, they have them too. And I remember when I was trading with a small account, I started investing when I was 11 years old and I built an account up during the 90s dot com bubble, very similar to like what we have right now. And I built it up from like $5,000 up to like $40,000. And then it came crashing down and I learned what a market bubble was like. I mean, that was an incredible example. And then I went off to college and I kind of got distracted. I still had money in the market and everything, but I was very passive about it. And then afterwards I got back into it and I, you know, used a lot of that money that I made from when I was in high school as a down payment on a house and other things. But after that, I got back into the market. And I remember starting off with like a few hundred dollars with $20 commission costs, right? I mean, you really needed big, big gains. But I also remember too, taking a thousand dollars and putting it into my account and buying like four or five stocks with it. And I remember that night, I felt like I was just completely irresponsible. And in hindsight, $1,000 is not going to make or break you in life. It's a lot of money. I don't want to lose $1,000 on a trade or for any reason in life, right? But 
it's not going to make or break you in the long run. You can come back from that. But in my mind, I was like losing sleep that night. It's like, man, am I going to lose this thousand dollars? I just didn't know what to do. I remember the next day, and I don't remember why, but the stock market was plummeting and all those positions were were red and they were bleeding. And I just, I didn't really know how to handle this. I think I was down like 10% of my account. Yeah, they were, they were pretty volatile trades at the time. And I just panic sold, man. I, I sold every one of those stocks. I said, I can't handle this. I can't. Now, a lot of traders still do that today. That's not unique to my time <laughs> at trading. I mean, everybody panic sells at one point in their time in their life. And some, some of them never can stop panic selling. I think that's what Wall Street Bets calls paper hands. Um, you got to hand it to Wall Street Bets. They come up with some fascinating terms. Paper hands aren't good and diamond hands aren't good. You want something more in the middle there. Nonetheless, I sold out. I would say two, three weeks later, all those positions were up 15, 20%. But I let the emotions, I actually had good stock picks, but I let the emotions get to the trade. I didn't go into the trade with a plan. I didn't come into the trade with, okay, if it goes against me, this is where I'm going to get out. So I get, I get the emotions of trading small dollars. It's real to you at that time that, okay, if I lose $2,500, or in my case, if I lose $1,000 back when I first started actively trading again, yeah, it's, it's going to wreak havoc on your mind and you can panic sell. So, so I get that. But I also have created, and I encourage people to do this because it's very cheap, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. It's a Patreon account that runs along side by side with this podcast, and it's going to give you all of my market research on a daily basis. That's going to include my master watch lists, both bullish and bearish. So if you're wanting to short the market, you're always going to have a watch list of stocks that I'm watching from the short side. Also, if you're bullish, there's going to be stocks that you can look at from the, from the more bullish side. Also, I'm giving you my daily setups that I'm looking at possibly trading each and every day, as well as some of the most intriguing charts that I come across. On top of that, all the updates on the FANG stocks, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, and Tesla, as well as multiple updates each week on the S&P 500, the NASDAQ 100, and the Russell 2000. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. You'll learn a lot from it. And that brings me to going from trading with a small account and being afraid to trade to not trading like a serial killer. So I had this discussion with my dad the other day, and it was a it was a pretty cool discussion. I was telling him about a friend that was trading. He was trading big, and he was saying, "Man, I just I really don't enjoy the trading right now. I'm having to watch like every tick because one, I'm trading probably way too big, and he also said that these are some very volatile plays. They're like in the solar plays, and he was just it was causing his stomach to turn a lot. So I was I was telling my dad a little bit about it, and I was like, "Man, he's just like a lot of people do this. Like it's it's not that they." can't make profits in the market. It's a very hard thing to keep those profits. I think that's what more people run into than anything else. Everybody has a story about a big winner that they made, but what they oftentimes don't tell you is how they squandered all of those profits from that big winning trade on the very next trade that they took. And it's kind of like a serial killer. I've always wondered this about serial killers. And I'm, I'm not like a, uh, person who watches murder mysteries on Netflix or anything else, but I have watched a few of them. Okay. And you take like the Ted Bundys and some of these other guys that are just real crazy. What was the one thing that they did? Well, they kept going until they got caught. Very rarely do you ever hear of a serial killer that never got caught. Or like a string of murders that you never found out who did them all. Instead, what you get is like these serial killers is they keep killing. And eventually, they're going to slip up. And what are, what's going to happen? They're going to go away for life. They're going to get killed. They're going to go to jail. But something's going to happen to them that's going to put an end to it all. And I think, <laughs> I know it's kind of a morbid comparison, okay? But I think it's very similar to that in trading with the mindset is that we keep going big and we all of a sudden like convince ourselves that we can keep trading big, keep trading these very volatile stocks and stay very profitable at the same time. Just like a serial killer thinks I could keep just getting away with murder all the time and move on to the next murder and get away with that too. That's what so many traders do. 
They just keep trading big until they get caught. And when they get caught, they lose it all. Like I said, making profits aren't the issue. It's keeping them. It's not getting caught as a trader to the downside. Getting into that one trade that all of a sudden just goes belly up on you. You lose 80, 90% on it. It doesn't matter what you did on the 10 or 15 previous trades that made you massive gains. You just kept adding those profits to the next trade and you got slammed. I always ask myself, why don't serial killers just stop while they're ahead? And in the sense of a, of a swing trader or a day trader that keeps going for the big home runs each and every time, why don't they just stop when they're ahead? And that's why with this podcast, on almost every episode I do, I highlight the risk of trading. I highlight the risk because I know that if you manage the risk, that is the only way that you can sustain a career or a lifetime in the stock market trading. Because when you trade big and you're not showing regard for the risk, some of these big trades, they're very, very difficult to manage the risk on, whether it's AMC or GameStop, Hertz and Kodak, these things that all of a sudden out of nowhere will go up a thousand percent or buying Bitcoin over 55,000 after it just made this dramatic move over the last one and a half months. And now all of a sudden it's a good time to get in. You're swinging big. You're putting all your money into Bitcoin, hoping that it'll go from 55 up to 200,000 or to a million. I don't know. And maybe you'll get it right. But then when you move on from that trade, then there's going to be another trade that you swing big on. So the key becomes not so much making the profits, but sustaining those profits, but keeping them. And that's why it's so much better to take a much more moderated approach to trading where you're planning out your trade. You're always assuming that you're going to go wrong on your trade. You're always going to assume that you lose. And so if you're going to lose, where are you going to get out at? Where are you going to know that you've lost that? Because every trade that I make, I assume that I'm going to lose on it. And I always know where I'm going to get out before I ever get in. Because in the end, it's not about just continuing to hit big until you get caught. Because at that point, you lose it all. It's about systematically making trades and managing stocks the same way with every trade where the risk is far less than the profits that are possible from that trade. Now, that doesn't mean you go after GameStop and say, well, I'm going to put a 75% stop loss on this thing in hopes that I make 225% off of it. No, that if you're wrong on a 75% trade, you just dug yourself into a huge hole. There's like a fine line. Like for me, I'm, I'm trying to like not take losses more than like 4 to 8% on my trades. Sometimes when the market's providing incredible opportunities at incredible oversold levels, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll push that out to like 10%. But for the most part, it's somewhere like that 4 to 8%, usually more so on the 4% side. I want tight risk, especially in this market here where there's a lot of stocks losing their momentum. I'm not going to let it go run against me 8 to 9% before I finally realize, eh, maybe I should get out. It's going to be more towards like the 3 to 4%. Because if I can make 12% or 16% and only be risking 3 or 4% on the trade, that is incredible. You're going to make good profits in the long run by just simply, and let me tell you, 16% or 15% or even 10% is so much more attainable and so much more realistic on a trade than trying to go for these Wall Street bets 200% returns on your trade because so many more people are going to lose trying to attain that level than who will actually achieve it. I guarantee you there's more people who lost on GameStop than made money on GameStop. And there's a lot of people holding on to losing positions that they'll never get out of because they probably bought it at like $300 a share. It's like, well, it'll come back. I mean, there's articles all over the place. I saw it on Wall Street Journal. I've seen it all over. Dudes that took $20,000 loans out and now they're stuck at like over and they're paying interest on the loans on top of the fact that they have a stock trade that they're down like 75, 80% on. Oh, but it'll come back. I like the stock. I believe in the stock. No, man. If you would have just planned out the trade, actually, if you would have just avoided GameStop altogether. That would have helped, but also if you would have just planned out the trade. But when you try to plan out the trade, how do you plan out a trade that has these wild 50% swings? You can't. That's why you can't trade those. So in the end, just to summarize all this, if you trade like a serial killer, you're going to get caught like a serial killer. When you get caught like a serial killer, you're going to lose everything that you had. So one, don't trade too big. Two, 
Don't trade these incredibly volatile, impossible to manage trades like GameStop and all these other ones that are out there right now, especially with like the SPACs. There's a ton of people in CCIV right now. Maybe some of you guys have made money off it. There's, there's going to be more losers in the end in CCIV than there is winners. And what you definitely don't want to do is trade big on very difficult and unmanageable trades. That's the recipe for disaster for sure. The other two instances that I just gave you, they're, they're disasters as well, but you almost want a surefire weight. Get into the impossible to manage trades with massive positions. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. If you have any questions that you would like me to uh, go over on this podcast, send me an email, ryan at shareplanner.com. I am getting to as many of these things that I can. You guys send a lot of them in, but I'm going to get to all of them. I, I really do believe that I will. Um, I have every one of them. I've, I've read them all, and uh, I hope to put every one of them on air. So keep sending them my way, ryan at shareplanner.com. And if you could do me the pleasure of going on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app that you're listening to this podcast on and just leave a review, subscribe, follow. Um, it means the world to me. That's like gold in the podcast world. And it really helps me to continue to build the audience and my reach. So you guys mean the world to me for doing that. So many of you have already done it already. Just ask if you haven't done it yet. Maybe, maybe uh, consider doing it. Thank you guys. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Thank you.